Today's show is brought to you by Team Snap. Sign up for a free 21-day free trial at www.tryteamsnap.com slash holybackboard. Let's go! All right, everybody, welcome to the 78th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I'm Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man. Sage chilling in Southern Oregon. This is actually a pretty important day in the history of my, like, broadcasting career. This is the, this is the date I started my first radio show seven years ago at KPSU called The, the Cypher, a hip-hop, a hip-hop show. Did I ever tell you about my first ever Cypher episode? Possibly, but bring it back up. I got onto the Speed Pass because I was a co-host of other shows and stuff, but I never had the responsibility of running the boards or any of that by myself. Promoted so hard. Guru, Guru from Gangstar recently died, so it was like a perfect time to play Gangstar's best hits. I plug in my uh, phone or my iPod to the mixer, and there was no sound. So for 20 minutes of my first ever broadcast by myself, there was absolute silence because I couldn't figure out the fucking board. So that made me really get on my shit. And now I know how to like work every sort of board. So I've been broadcasting for seven years straight. And, you know, today it's just I saw it on Facebook. I saw all my old posts about my radio show. It, it, it brought back memories. So I, I'm. You know, it's pretty crazy. Seven years of doing this, I'm 26. That's, that's like a actual profession, sort of. You're old balls now. I am old balls as fuck, man. I'm starting to feel it. Like, I, I misplaced my glasses last night, <laughs> and I, I spent hours, not even lying. I listened to a podcast while I was looking for my glasses. I was on hands and knees pulling a Velma from Scooby-Drew trying to find those glasses, so... Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely old balls now. I'm not the young cat that uh, was was broadcast was on the Holy Backboard two years ago. I, I'm me, man. I, I I know my strengths and weaknesses. But it's fitting that we are recording our 78th episode on an, a, a pretty important anniversary for you. Yeah, man, it's pretty crazy. I'm you know I'm pretty excited about what we can do in the future. I uh, fuck it. I will leak what I have been doing recently. I've always been interested in uh, people's immigration stories because my mom really never talked about them. So I've been interviewing my aunt, who is older and is more like better at telling stories. So I've been editing that and I'm going to publish it along with my ultimate goal is going to be to interview immigrants about their stories, give them a voice. And share their stories with the world. So that's what I've been doing since we've uh, been off from the Holy Backwards. So be on the lookout in the next few weeks. I still got a lot of stuff because it's all me. This is all my creation. So there's a lot of stuff happening. But in the next few weeks, you'll hear that. You'll hear my family's crazy story of getting here. And the narrative that it weaves about like strong, powerful women. It's beautiful. I'm really enjoying what I've learning about myself and my family 
Well, it's half. If it's as half as good as you sound passionate about it, then it's gonna be pretty flame. So can't wait to uh, check that out. But it's been a minute since we've recorded. Uh, just based upon our schedules, I was in Nashville all of last week for for work. Um, obviously, the Blazers got pieced out uh, in four games against the Warriors. Really no surprise there. Uh, the average margin of victory in that series for Golden State was 18 points. Um, the final game back on April 24th, 128-103. to 103. Your boy was in the building for that one. And after game three, you saw Nurk. You saw him hobbling. I really didn't have a good feeling about game four. And then they just blitzed us. They weren't messing around. And they really did the same thing to the Utah Jazz. And... You look at the Jazz series and you look at the Blazers series. Yes, George Hill was hurt for a couple games, but I would argue that Nurkic is much more valuable and important to Portland than George Hill is to Utah. And really, I don't see that the gap between Portland and Utah. I don't think it's there. I think if Portland actually has Nurkic, we are the better team. Um, again, it's almost like a pissing match. We're debating who's going to come in you know, third or fourth because the Warriors, as currently constructed aren't to be fucked with. Maybe the Cavaliers. No. And to be honest, Sage, these playoffs have been, been really shitty. Boring. Like, just boring, terrible. Um, I've been watching playoff hockey a little bit because they've got like two or three seven-game series. Um, going going game seven, excuse me. You've got furious comebacks, you know, games going down to the wire. There's very few blowouts in hockey. I mean, just given the nature of the sport and how difficult it is to score a goal, um, you're unlikely to see um, a blowout win. You know, the most the average goals per game probably from both teams is five compared to mm. NBA teams put up 200, 210 points a night on average. So there's a huge variance there, and it, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for games to slip away from from certain teams. And that doesn't mean to say that hockey is my new favorite sport. I definitely you know have all of the love for basketball, but I, I think until the Durant Warriors break up or, or something happens, this is what it's going to be like. And that's kind of a, it's a little bit of a damper. I mean, I'm still super excited for the off season, the draft, the possibility of adding another great player to, you know, the, the core seeing if, if Nurkic can get healthy. And I think he is the, the ultimate X factor for this team, but those are a lot of ifs just to give golden state a fight. Um, Mm. Are you feeling a little defeated, like like I am, Sage? Like all twenty eight other teams are? Well, I think I think we just knew that this was how it's gonna be until one of them retires. So I I, I kind of was prepared to feel this way. I mean, as a Pelican fan, I saw a lead like slip away. That team is pretty fantastic, and now with Kevin Durant, it's like the 93 Bulls adding Charles Barkley. It's really not fair. So, that I mean, that's just what we're dealing with. That, that, that is where we're at with the NBA right now. The super team, the best team of all time, is wrecking shop. And I don't, I, I don't know how we stop them. I don't know how a team could get constructed that could stop them. I mean, I'm just kind of like shrugging right now. I don't think anybody has the answer. My only hope is if the Warriors do win, they, they make it look so easy that Durant just gets bored and he gets his ring and then he pieces out this summer because both he and Curry have the ability to be – Curry is a free agent, but Durant has the ability to opt out um, and become a free agent. I would hope he would have some something 
to, to give to the NBA fans after doing this to us this year because the NBA playoffs, if he was on OKC, would have been just amazing. So competitive, so much more parity. But right now, you know who's going to come out of the West. You could simulate the playoffs a million times. There might be two times out of a million, and I'm not even joking, that the Warriors don't make it and that this is all health permitting. Um, yeah. You look at this. I mean, they win games jogging. They do. You look at. You look at game four, Durant didn't play well. I don't think Clay or Steph really shot the ball well. Um, they're not playing well, and they still won by 11 on the road in Utah, uh, which is uh, one of the tougher uh, venues to win at in the entire league. And that's even more disheartening. Like, it's more disheartening getting beat by 11 when they play terrible than getting beat by 30 when they play fantastic because you expect them to play fantastic, but when they play poorly, you got to take advantage of that. Um Obviously, we're looking at, I don't care what Houston and San Antonio do or or Washington and Boston. We are looking at Cleveland, Golden State for a third straight time. Um, after seeing each team play a little bit, do you think either has the upper hand? And are you willing to change your prediction? Because I, I went Cavs, you went Warriors. Uh, I, I'm, I'm still feeling pretty good about Warriors. They just are so good. That collection of talent and the coaching and everything, the role players fill the roles. That is like the, the the definition of a perfect team, and I, I just I want them to lose, but I just don't think they'll lose. But do they have that dog? Do they have that chip on their shoulder that the Cavs Absolutely will play not. with? They don't. They, they they don't have it. I mean, you look at Tristan Thompson, you look at J.R. Smith. I mean, you look at just the collect. Channing Frye even just plays with a lot of you know. Intensity. Richard Jefferson last year, those two massive dunks over Clay. And of course, they have the greatest player on the planet, LeBron James, which Kevin Durant has historically never fared well against. So there is some hope. Kyrie also had his way with Steph. He makes Steph play um, play defense, makes him play both ends of the court. And I think it's going to come down to probably Draymond versus Tristan and Kevin, which... Can Draymond incorporate his flow, hitting the open threes, rebounding, defending, um, distributing the ball, making the the swing pass around the perimeter, or is it going to be you know K Love popping out for those threes and Thompson dominating the offensive glass like he did last year? Because there is one weakness for the Warriors: they will never be able to short up as they are currently constructed, and that is down low. If you just beat them up down low, you have a chance. We saw that last year in the finals. Um, I think that's that's the formula to beat them. But Kevin Durant. One team added Kevin Durant. The other team added Darren Williams. So, on paper, I would give the edge to the Warriors, but I'm not going to go against LeBron. Uh, I, I picked him preseason, pre, uh, pre-playoff pod as well. So, um, I'm rolling with LBJ. We're picking between two super teams, so there's really no but are the Cavs answer. really a super team? They got LeBron James that but they, makes they, they pretty super. They have LeBron, yeah. So I will say the Cleveland is in – they were constructed like you could never construct a team. They, they they lucked into the lottery. They had LeBron for seven years, but then he left. So while he left, they were so bad they were able to draft Tristan Thompson in the lottery. They took on Baron Davis's contract via Neil Olshay, which ended up being uh, Kyrie Irving. That, that pick won the lottery, so they got Kyrie. Um, they were able to, I mean, they whiffed on, they whiffed on Anthony Bennett. They whiffed on Dion waiters. 
but they won the lottery again and took Andrew Wiggins, which was parlayed into Kevin Love, uh, and then LeBron comes back. And LeBron only came back because of location, because it was his hometown, nothing to do with the actual ownership of the team. So on paper, when it was currently constructed, I'd say, yeah, that's a super team when you've got Kyrie and Kevin and LeBron, but Kevin Love's not the stat patter. He's not the player he was in Minnesota. Um, Kyrie is really good. I'm still hesitant to put him in that really top three point guard. Yeah, not, not, the, not the upper echelon of point guards. I don't guards. think he's there, but he does play well in the finals. And then you've just got LeBron. Um, I will say that Cleveland, like Golden State, is also a beneficiary of getting players off the waiver wire, getting players to sign um, for the minimum. So there's, if you're going to fault Golden State for that, you have to fault or you have to, you know, criticize and kind of ding the, the Cavs are doing that because they, they both do that. Let's be perfectly honest. So, yeah, it, it is a super team as it was constructed. But I think just LeBron makes them that tough because everyone else outside, like you take LeBron off that team. They're they're pretty. I think they're kind of trash. You could take any one of the big four off of Golden State and, and they're still probably coming out of the West every year, hands down. But the thing that gives me hope is still Nurkic. And I know that's a lot to put on a 22-year-old's shoulders. But what I saw was a throwback. I mean, we're talking what Sabonis possibly could have looked like. Not that level, not that yet. But he showed Sabonis-like tendencies. He looks a little bit like Marcus Hull when he's out there, especially if he's able to add that three-point shot um, in spots. I have a question. Do you want him to have that three-point shot? Oh, of shot? course. You, I don't. No, you look at Brook Lopez. That, that, you look at Marcus Gasol. They're not out on the perimeter. They're not just hanging around there waiting to shoot threes. They are in the flow of the offense or in transition, and that makes that big man come out even further. I'm not talking about him being a Kevin Love or even a Rasheed Wallace um, later in his career where he's just living out there. But if he can shoot two to three a game, I have no problem, and I think that's just an asset. So I was originally with you. I was like, no, stay down low. But in today's NBA, it's all about spacing. So if we were to you know, play Evan Turner with Nurkic, you're able to let Nurk go out a little bit, have Turner post up a smaller guard, and you just, you just give Stotts more options on offense. And again, I don't want him shooting a plethora of threes. Yeah, the, the, that's what scares me. When bigs that have talented, talent inside – fade outside because when I used to play basketball I didn't want to get bumped in the post I would love to shoot mid-range and three-pointers I mean I watched Boogie Cousins fall in love with the three-pointer I watched Rasheed Wallace fall in love with the three-pointer it happens I mean Anthony Bennett was gonna be a good player until he fell in love with the the three-pointer so it happens and that scares me but if we can rein him in a bit that's fine but I just like the the him falling in love with a three pointer, protecting his body a little bit by like, taking a massive amount of three scares me in the long term. No, I, I think Portland knows where their bread is buttered, and it's with Nurk down low. Even if you look at his twenty game sample size with Portland, he only attempted a couple of mid range shots. That's really when the defense begged him to shoot it. Yeah, like when they forced him to shoot it. But I think that's what's going to be like. He's going to be unguardable if he has that outside shot and he's able to hit it. Um, just the, the just the falling in love, man. That's what scares me, man. Because I mean, we've seen plenty of bigs fall in love with that three. Well, we've seen you know just last year we've seen two that didn't fall in love with it. They just added it. So 
I think he knows what's going to get him paid, and it's banging down low. Dame knows what's going to get him victories, and that's getting Nurk the ball down low. It's running the pick and roll, getting him buckets in the paint, getting him to the foul line. Um, I also think shooting the threes will help us free throws because when you shoot, when you are a shooter, you play basketball, you don't extend your range by just completely crushing your form, just jumping as high as you can. No, you work on your form. You work on keeping it consistent as if you were shooting five to seven feet away from the basket. And I think that's only going to give him more muscle memory and probably more strength in his shooting form when he gets later into games and he gets tired. We saw last year a lot when he was at the foul line and he was out of shape and he was, you know, kind of gassed. It would show in how he was shooting his free throws. They would come off very lazily, um, kind of sloppy looking. But if he's able to work on the mechanics from, you know, 25 feet away from the basket, hopefully that translates to um, a better form when he is um, a little bit more tired, a little bit more... um, (sighs) you know, just exhausted. But there's been a lot has happened, you know, since the Blazers lost in that playoffs. Uh, we had the exit interviews. One of the big questions that Jason Quick was asking all of the players is who impressed you the most? Um, su- not surprised at all. The answer was Nurkic. Um, a couple answers that I thought stood out. Uh, Damian Lillard said Shabazz Napier because he sees him go up against him in practice every single day. Uh, what I love about Dame is whether it was Tim Frazier um, and now Shabazz Napier, he's bringing in these younger guards who are, in theory, fighting for his minutes. I mean, they're not going to get it, but in theory, they're, they're both point guards. There's only so many amount of minutes you can play at that position. But he is kind of tutoring them, going up against them, and it seems like they're bonding like they did with you know Tim Frazier. Um I think that goes to show the type of leader that Lillard is. But as we saw uh, late in the season when Dame and CJ got their rest, Shabazz is more than capable of uh, he's a very capable of playing backup. good good rotation minutes. I wouldn't even say like end of the bench, like he could be the backup point guard. I would be completely yeah. He could have the that. Evan Turner role easily. He could have that Evan Turner role easily. And knowing that he's still on his rookie deal, so you have got an inexpensive option that can give you some rotation minutes, which I think helps Olshay when you're possibly looking at the cap, looking at your your tradable assets, and looking at at those those assets. Sage, one kind of took a little bit of a hit. Uh, Alan Crab had that surgery, uh, a stress reaction. I had never heard of a stress reaction. I've heard of a stress fracture but never a reaction. And that's why he was in that walking boot towards the end of the season. Um, who knows how much it impacted his playoff performance. Um, but your boy Drew Holiday had that same injury. Um, why don't you talk talk to us about that? So it was a stress a reaction of the tibula, not the fifth bed of tarsal. But that injury, the stress reaction, really destroyed two years of Drew Holiday's career because it came back. What Blazers have to do, and I know like they know more about medical stuff than I, but from what I dealt with with Drew, you have to keep him fair. Like you have to, you can't overplay him. You have to rest him a lot. Just be careful with him because that ass he he's a very expensive asset right now. We have to be careful. Long term goals, minute restriction for sure. 
and make sure he doesn't play more than what his restriction is. Because that happened with Drew Holiday, and then a week later, the stress reaction came back. So, dude, it, it was... Philadelphia didn't tell the Pelicans that this happens with Drew. happened with Drew. So, what I would say is they have to be careful. I mean, I do not believe that he'll be ready to start the season. Oh, you think it's going to take that not, long? I, I, I know it's a different injury, but that shit is serious, and you have to make sure that he's 100% for sure. None of this, it won't get worse if he plays. 100% legitly. Because it's a serious injury. There are players that, I mean, it's ruined Drew Holiday's career. He's good now, but it did take two of his prime years. So be careful with our assets. Well, thankfully, AC is is a backup, and we don't rely on him to play more than 20 minutes a night. Um, but yeah, he is expensive. He still has three years left on his deal. Um, obviously, probably not tradable right now. Um, Absolutely not. No one wants that. But this isn't the end for him, but we have to be extremely, extremely careful. Shit. I mean, even in the uh, in the third year after the stress reaction, Drew was on a very tight minutes restriction. Did any... So going kind of like going back to media day, did any... Or not media day, the exit interviews. Did anything else stand out to you outside of who impressed the players the most? Well, Neil O'Shea calling out... Canzano? Uh, I know everybody's going to be back, so I don't really take... I don't really find that that information's very telling because I, it would be shocking if any one of the Blazers higher up higher ups got fired. So I just watched it for the content, not for taking anything back for the show. Well, we did find out that Festus Azili is not coming back. So that is eight, well, that is seven to eight million dollars directly off of that cap, or they could trade him before I think June thirtieth. The thirtieth. So that is a, a bit of news that you know he matter. Matter of factly said, you know, thank you, Festus, but we are moving on because he still has almost a, a year left uh, of recovery. So it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to keep him on the team, even filling up a roster spot. Um, another, there are a few things that stood out to me, but I'll start with the fact that Neil specifically said that even though the team beat the Clippers, and, and he said, you know, frankly, they did get injured. But if you look at that game four, we had the lead late in the game. We could we could have still forced a game seven, whether at full health. And then playing the Warriors in extremely tough five games, still mentioned that Steph wasn't 100% for the first three games and missed those games. That didn't play a factor in spending in their, in their free agency. They realized they spent about two summers worth of money last year because they had to. And we've been over this yeah. countless times on the podcast due to the continuous cap rise, just meteoric rise out of nowhere due to the cable deal. Portland having those big restricted free agents all on the market after a surprise year where their value was as high as it's ever been. And you also have mm -hmm. cap space that you have to use. So that's absolutely that was the perfect storm. But what caught my ear when listening to Neil Olshay was he felt the team came out complacent. They thought they were better than they were. And that was what we put our finger on. We said, they're just not scrapping enough. 
because last year the margin for error was so thin that they were getting by by wanting it more. And you could tell by this team playing earlier, they didn't want it more than the other team. And their ta- they weren't as talented enough to just kind of skate by or to give only 80% of intensity. They had to really be the X factor. They had to play with that chip on their shoulder for the entire season like we saw Westbrook do when, when Durant left. Each player pointed that out as well and said, if we would have taken taken care of business early on, we wouldn't have faced the Warriors in round one. Maybe we faced them in round two or round three. Uh, we could have set ourselves up for much better playoff positioning had we not come out of the gate so slow. So while it was a terrible experience to go through, I think it's going to serve as a wake-up call and a lesson to be learned next year. I think this team, regardless of who's on the roster, as long as it's led by Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, they're going to come out, I think, with more of a focus, with more of an intent, and they know what it takes to win in this league. Uh, they saw what it took when they, they had the NBA's best record in March at 13-3. and So that, that was a positive for me, at least. I mean, it sucks now, but blessing in disguise down the road. So do you think if the Blazers started the way that you and I imagined in October and kept it going, it, it, I would say that this year was a very big roller coaster ride with ups and downs. But if we stayed level, do you think we would have made the trade for Mason Plumlee for uh, uh, Nurk? I would say, honestly, 55-45 in favor of not making the trade. Why I have 45 so high is... Neil is a smart man um, when it comes to basketball. People may not like him, may think he's a little uh, arrogant, but he knows more than you and I. He knows more than all the the fans. Um, You can question his decisions on who he wants to go after in free agency all you want. That's completely fine, and I think um, a fair fair game. You know, constructive criticism can, can be placed there. However, he doesn't watch the games with the emotional attachment that you Oh yeah, that and that 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 that's the thing. He knows he's business about the limitations of this team. He knows that the the team last year, as constructed, was never a championship contender. Um, And he also knew that if they were playing well, Plumlee was gonna gonna get an Alan Crab type contract. I mean, he's probably gonna get thirteen or fourteen now. But had we been playing great, he could have been up to the eighteen, nineteen. So that's why I said he still might have been looking around because to me, Mason Plumlee was a good part of the success, but he was, he wasn't Dame CJ. He was, he was a a rotating carousel of players, whether it was Aminu, Harkless, Plumlee, you know, Crab, any of those guys on any given night could have stepped up and been the third option. So he was never really a integral part. Like he was a big part, but not like, oh my God, we have to have him or we are winning because of Mason Plumlee. I think he, I, I think that they would have kept it as as if they were like fighting in the if they were comfortably in the playoffs. I think they would have played it as is. So going through those the lulls and the bad plays, it's kind of worth it when you got a guy like Nurkic that we traded for, and and he was a sunk cost for Denver. I think all of those losses were worth it for the potential of Nurkic. So I'm fine. Re-energized everybody. All of that stuff, all of those losses, all of the bad plays, all of the non-pick and rolls, it's worth it so, just so we could have a guy like Nurkic. 
and on a cost-controlled contract for at least another year. Totally worth it. I'm fine with how the season ended because we made that trade. And it, it definitely was a roller coaster ride. It, it sucked. I remember being really pissed off with you talking about this team. But because of that trade, our, our our potential is so much higher. And it that like this is we're not the Warriors, we're not the Cavs. So making these moves, seeing how we can get to a playoff team, a, a team that's in the mix every year, it, it's really cool to see how all of this should, all of this stuff goes. So I'm 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 I'm, I'm fine with it. I mean, we definitely made that push as soon as Nurk came mm-hmm. into the fold. We saw Dame really elevate his game um, back to where he was earlier on in the year. Um, obviously, he said he had some family stuff he had to take care of around the All-Star break. I think you add that, getting that taken care of, plus adding Nurkic, revitalized him. He was player of the month for March. and So if we had Nurk and then Dame played the way he did in the early season, we would have jumped out to a huge... We would have been comfortably first in our division. I mean, I, like the way he played in the first part of the year was fantastic, and then I think too much of the the responsibility was on his shoulders, and it kind of went down for a little while. I think Portland, and I've been telling this to anybody who who I'll talk basketball with, Portland in the month of March, that team as constructed, I know it's going to be a slightly different team next year. To me, there's no team I think would beat us in the playoffs other than the Warriors. Um, we beat the Rockets at home. We beat the Spurs on the road. It was a full-strength full Spurs team. I just would not bet against this Blazers team with, with the healthy Nurkic. With what he was doing, you've got the backcourt, and then it, everything was flowing. Sage Aminu was shooting like 45% from three because he was getting wide-open looks. Harkless was and playing I think the confidence. the confidence. I think everyone's confidence level I mean, was so much We finally got Evan Turner back into the flow. We saw AC. Like Everything was finally starting to click. And I think that's what people need to realize is that team with Nurkic only got 20 games together. Give them 82. Give them two. And a training camp. Give them another the training, training camp. camp. Let them get healthy. Um, honestly, what I'm seeing at West, aside from Golden State, I, I'm not worried. Like, Utah is not a threat. And they might lose their point guard. Yep. They might lose Gordon Hayward. Uh, Definitely will lose favors if they keep the other two. San Antonio, not a threat. I know they probably could go to the Western Conference Finals again, but it's really Kawhi Leonard. Like, LaMarcus Aldridge is getting called out on a nightly basis on Twitter. Uh, Pau Gasol is a shell of his former self. I don't know how many more performances like that in Game 5 that Monte Ginobili has left up his sleeve and Tony Parker's out for the playoffs. Um, again, I, I, I'm just, I, I know it could be Homer wearing the rose-colored glasses, but you look at the, the Blazers, that core has been together a while, and you just add in Ed Nurkic. It's almost like that Buck Williams, but we need a little bit more we, around that team. He just makes everyone better. And speaking of being better, Sage, Damian Lillard at Media Day, and or I keep saying Media Day, at the exit interviews, and then kind of on Twitter, he's he's had a loud voice th- this offseason um, already, already chiming in on Twitter saying, I would rather sacrifice not winning a ring and chasing it than staying in Portland and trying to earn it. Like, he wants to stay here. He's earning it. Um, he made another comment about um, 
kind of like staying loyal to the trailblazers. I love that. That is that is your leader. And if you're the other 11, 12 trailblazers, you're looking at that as the example. That's the tone he's going to set. And you could really tell in his voice during his exit interview, you know, he's going to turn 27 years old. He's been in the league five years. He's not in his prime yet, but he's getting into those prime years. He's ready to win now. I know he's made the second round of the playoffs twice, but we've only won one game in each of those two second round performances. He's ready to win now. Do you think this team, they, they do have a lot of assets. They've got three first round picks. They've got the ability to trade future first round picks. And they have a few players that could be moved. Do you think that Portland is ready to make a big deal to really help get Dame some help? So you've got Dame, CJ, Nurk. So we'll have a big four. A big four or just maybe even a more consistent presence probably at the three. Um, maybe someone uh, a better in presence at the four, even though I really loved how Vonley played with Nurkic when they were there. But maybe it allows Noah to come up so instead of are, starting. Are, are we talking about like a Chris Middleton level player or higher? Either. I mean, obviously, the, the elephant in the room is Paul George. CJ McCollum stated as such, that's who I want the Blazers to go out and get. Kevin Pritchard is now the GM and the president of basketball operations for the Pacers. I don't know how crazy. Do you know how their relationship is? The Blazers and Pritchard? That's what I'm saying. I don't know how crazy he would be to trade uh, Paul George to the Blazers. But if you're the Pacers, one, you have to take the best offer. So depending on what that is. And two, you would prefer to send him to the other conference so you don't have to face him. But I think Portland, if. So what, what I love about having three picks is you could take three rookies and you could continue to build. You could take one rookie and trade the other two, maybe get a, I'm just throwing it, a Chris Middleton type of player. Maybe not Chris Middleton's level, but something like that. Somebody who's going to be a consistent. A, a three-point shooter that has low usage rate. Exactly. So you can do a lot of things, maybe package them all together with some assets and see if you can get a disgruntled star like Paul George on the last year of his contract. I know we can we can offer something for Paul George. I just don't know if we can beat a team that wins the lottery. I, I just don't see the that. The caveat, though, is Paul George wants to play for the Lakers, and he is an unrestricted free agent next year. So if I'm a team in the lottery, in the top top half of the lottery, I'm not trading that lottery pick for Paul George. One, what about if Minnesota gets exactly, it? Exactly, for, for a couple it. of reasons. One being, I think that is too much of a risk for the reward. Two, you're looking at an Orlando Serge Ibaka situation all over again where you're still a lottery team, but you add this player. I don't think Paul George on a team like the Magic or the Timberwolves is going to make enough of a difference, one, to make enough noise, or two, to keep him to stay around. So I think you're looking at a team, Portland's level possibly, that can add him and keep him happy. So if you had, just hypothetically, you had Paul George, this team goes to the Western Conference Finals, He's in my mind, he would stay in Portland. One, we could pay him more. Two, Definitely. he has the relationship with Dame and CJ. And three, Portland is built to be a winner right now. The, the Lakers, whether that was his dream or not, they're not going to be in contention to win for quite some time. And Paul George is in I, his prime. So that's what would be the, um, the overarching factor for me saying, yes, let's go out and do it. I, I would do it. I would do it. But I think there will be teams. The team I know the most about, New Orleans, besides this team, if they somehow get the first pick, they're trading it for Paul George. 
without a doubt, without a blink of an eye. I would take. I'd rather have Markel Fultz, but they are trading it for Paul George, regardless. I know there are going to be teams that feel the same way. I, I would love for us to make a big offer. I just don't know if we could beat it. I know the one year. I don't think. I don't think you're getting a top three pick for Paul George. I just wouldn't. There's no way. Maybe New Orleans because they have Anthony and, and Boogie Cousins in place. But most, for one, New Orleans has a very slim chance at winning the lottery. And two, most lottery teams don't. Most lottery teams do not have two All NBA caliber players already on their roster. Like, there's no way Phoenix is trading for Paul George. No, I, I, I want. I, I think if we could swing for Paul George or a Chris Middleton, I don't really. I think we should do it. I think that unless it's Paul George. I want a really good low usage player because we have two high usage guards. I don't know how we can do with Nurk needing the ball, this new guy, and then our two guards. Unless it's a superstar like Paul George or Jimmy Butler, I would like to have a guy that lower usage than, uh, you know, high. I've been seeing like rumors of Rudy Gay to, to Portland. Well, he's opting out, no. so we don't have the cap space to get him. I, there's a chance he does a prove it contract or something, but like, I don't want our our wing uh, free agent guy to be a high usage Michael Beasley type of guy. No, but I think. I mean, I think you make it work with, with teamwork. We're looking at the Warriors, and they're making it work with really three high-usage players. Um, KD, Steph, and Clay really all should be shooting the ball 25 times a night, but, but they can't. <laughs> Draymond even should be shooting 15 times a night. And then you've got other mouths to feed with, with Iguodala, Sean Livingston, David West, um, even Pachulia and JaVale McGee. So, Ian Clark. Ian Clark when he <laughs> plays the Blazers. So I think you can make it work. I do agree unless you're if you're not getting a superstar, you do want to get probably the more efficient low usage rate player. But if you have the chance to bring in a guy like George, you do it. In a you second. have to do it because there are going to be times when, when either Dame or CJ gets hurt or they get tired or they get into foul trouble or they're having off shooting nights and you can go to George or you now have four potential matchup nightmares for opposing coaches to look at. And maybe one game Nurk had has the matchup. Maybe the other game is George. Maybe the next time it's the backcourt. It just gives you so many more options. But obviously, Paul George would be a no-brainer. But the question, the player I want to discuss is Carmelo Anthony. Because I am very torn on whether that would be a positive move for the Trailblazers. I don't want Carmelo. That's like the opposite of what I want. He's old. He's on a really shitty contract. Well, obviously, we would have to ship them some of our shit to get their yeah, shit. Yeah. What would the trade be, just for, for an example? I, I, just throwing it out there, a pick, Myers, Evan Turner, I think that should do. If not, give him Ed Davis or something like that. Oh, man. Love you, Ed. And he'd be willing to accept the role? Is that... Yes, it would have to be contingent on that. It, yeah, like he has to accept a role. He's now divorced. I, I he's just now don't divorced see from it. Lala, though. So there's that's that was one of the reasons keeping him in New York. Yeah, 
I don't like it. But if you get a talent like that, you got you should swing at it. But this is this is I don't like it. I would be as much on the fence. Like you could not get me off that fence. If if it happened, I would probably be okay with it. If it didn't happen, I'd be okay with it. Because one, like you said, we're giving up some probably pretty terrible contracts. We're taking on his. And two, we are the Portland Trailblazers. Keyword, Portland. We don't attract free agents. We either draft or we trade. And you almost have to roll the dice and just say, fuck it. Like, this guy is talented. Yes, he is older. But here's, yeah, here's what he can bring. He can kind of – he is more of an isolation player. But watching the Blazers in the, the early 2000s when we had Steve Smith – we won series because he was bigger than the other guard, and he would go down and punish him. Carmelo has the ability to play on the block. He does what Evan Turner does, but at an elite level. Um, I don't know what the fit would be like. I would think it would be kind of wonky at first, trying to get him involved in a, a motion-based offense. How many years is he uh, under contract? Sage, quit making me do research. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm literally typing Carmelo Anthony contract. If it doesn't come up, it's not going to not gonna happen. <laughs> Hoops Hype says that he has one year uh, in 2018 at $26 million and the next year at 2019 at a player option for about $28 million. He'll probably take that. So we could essentially throw three bad contracts at them and, and take his back. I would do it. I just don't feel great about it. But again, we're Portland. We're not. That boogie contract should not be involved in any discuss or that boogie trade should not be involved in any discussion of trades because that was a once in a once in a decade type of move. I I, I would be willing to take talent because I think it, it's hard for us to get that talent with how good we are. So I I would do it, but. Man, I would feel so hesitant about it, man. Like, in 2K, that team would be awesome. Oh, it would be totally awesome. But in reality. What? (laughs) And I know you've got a lot of mouths to feed with that offense, but one, Stoth is a player's coach. Would we stagger it? Would we stagger it? You would definitely have to stagger it. So you've got, you know, Stoth is the player's coach, but Dame. Dame has so much leadership that I, I feel like we could bring in almost any player, and I'd be like, yes, he would fit in because of Dame. Like, there would be no, oh, I don't know if his style of play would work or if he doesn't want to run or not. Like, Dame wants to win. Carmelo wants mm-hmm. to win. Carmelo's only been to one conference final. Um, that was a long time it, ago, it was too. 2009. Like, that was more than a minute ago. So, again, if it doesn't happen, I'm fine. If it does, I would probably find myself enjoying it, if not for the fact that it's a big move to shake things up and – it would really make the season even more in- exciting and, and really enticing. Um, last thing about the um, about the exit interviews. One thing that rubbed me the wrong way, and everyone has piled on this this person the entire season. I've tried to you know stay positive, but. I thought Myers Leonard had the worst exit interview I've probably heard. I didn't even watch it. What did, what did he time. say? It was just a lot of excuses, to be, to be quite frank. It was, you know, I've been injured. I haven't had a chance. You know, I don't think the 
like he thinks i mean it was a while ago but go back and listen to it just i don't essentially i think he he meant that the organization didn't have his back in certain cases and you know neil walshay even stated that like myers's confidence is a day-to-day thing within the organization to try to keep his spirits up so he's definitely not in the best state of mind when, when it comes to basketball and with the blazers and we we all saw it um but fans fucking boot him like do you think we trade him what, what do you think the percentage is for trading? He has him? no value unless it's a deal for Mello where we say, we'll take your shit, shitty contract, but you're taking this shitty contract. That is the only way. To me, like, I understand where Myers is coming from. He struggled mightily. He was really good in the 2015 playoffs. You know, he did have that shoulder injury and he has been dinged up here and there, but hearing just the excuse wasn't what I wanted to hear as a fan. I wanted to hear him say, I, I played like trash, you know, flat out. I, I was terrible. I'm going to do whatever I can to get better. Um, use this, this summer to, to, to fix my deficiencies. You know, he did call it the most important summer, you know, of his career, which, which I completely agreed with, but, um, there's just a lot of excuses and hopefully he, he's motivated the summer because I, whether fans like it or not, I think he's coming back because of his contract, because of his lack of value. And um, there's three more years on Myers Leonard, like whether people like it or not. So hopefully he can turn it into a, a productive, serviceable NBA big. All right, Sage, I think it's time to take a quick commercial break from our sponsors and let's get into some fan questions, talk about the logo and anything else that's on our mind. For you, the listeners of the Holy Backboard Podcast, Team Snap is offering a free 21-day trial. Team Snap is every coach and parent's dream. An easy-to-use, indispensable tool for organizing and communicating every aspect of team life. Sign up for a free 21-day trial in 30 seconds or subscribe to a premium package with added features like unlimited photos and file storage and customization unique to their team. TeamSnap also provides a free Android and iPhone app so teams can be managed on the go. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Holy Backboard podcast. Dustin and Sage here talking Trailblazers offseason, and we have a couple of fan questions for you. First one from former guest and one of our fave follows on Twitter, at TCBBigs, a.k.a. Tara, T-Mom, host and founder of Blazers What. Um, she wants to know, Sage, what is the profile of the type of Blazer player that they might pursue in the offseason? Not any names specifically, but what are the characteristics they should be looking for? Low usage rate shooter that can play defense. That's it? I mean, I don't think we have that much more that much money. So It's not about money, I'm Sage. Playing. We got three picks, baby. We got players we can trade for. Don't just think free agency. Honestly, I I would be very happy with a low usage three that could hit a low usage wing that could hit from three and then play defense. I think what I would be it would be nice to find a guy that could create his own shot off the bench, but I don't know, man. I, I I'm on the low usage rate three. I think if we're looking at centers, Portland needs to look at a backup big man who can defend the paint 
and just specialize in one or two things. So you're blocking or you're rebounding. Um, really. So not an athletic one, but like a more plot. Are you thinking more of a plotting big or an athletic big? Somebody who can play defense and block shots. Rebound that basketball. So like a Dwayne Dedman type of guy or? It, It doesn't matter. Is a Bismack, so another so big. Didn't, she didn't want us to name names, but a guy like Bismack Biombo, you know what he's going to do. Okay. So that's what I would like to see from the backup center. I thought Portland really struggled when Nurkic went out of games, especially we saw how badly we struggled with him without him in the playoffs. At the power forward position, if we're keeping Vonley, I want to keep him for his development, but whether it's somebody starting ahead of him or playing behind him, it's got to be a power forward that's able to stretch the defense a bit, consistently knock down that mid-range shot, and possibly extend the defense out to that three-point line. That's why I'm so enamored with uh, Lowry Markkinen from, from Arizona, who reminds me of uh, really a better Ryan Anderson, who's able to just put so much pressure on the defense because he can go inside and go outside, and that high-low game with, with Nurk and that four could be really lethal, but I do have faith that Von Ley can get to so, that so point. So do you want to bet if it was signing? So would it be a vet like a Jared Dudley type of guy? I don't think we're going to get anything via free agency. There's no room. Okay. And with the cap rising, you're going to get bottom of the barrel. I mean, we're not the warriors. We're not going to get guys like David West to come play for the minimum. Um, no. Maybe we can find a value, but I just, as a Blazer fan, I'm jaded on free agency. Like, I just, I don't see anybody coming. I don't, I don't think they're going to have an impact. Um, everything we've done has been through trades. Like, we got Robin Lopez on the cheap. We got, you know, Thomas Robinson on the cheap. You know, we got, you know, we did sign Mo Williams. Um, but again, that was because, for whatever reason, he was just left out. And we had a little bit of cash and got him on a one-year deal. So maybe it's someone like that that we can find a bargain on. But... I think Olshay does someone that could just gets just peep teeps just forget about like a I hate saying Terrence Jones, but like Terrence Jones of last year, like that type of guy. Yeah, probably. And also we have those three picks, and we can we can move, make moves to trade. Um, and then to touch on your point, yeah, I definitely think we need a consistent small forward, somebody who was able to be lights out from three, especially in Terry Stotts' offense. Um, Almost like Nick Batum, early Nick Batum, where you knew what he was going to sit in that corner, hit that three, um, but he was really athletic and able to play defense. I think Portland also, I mean, we need a lot of shit. I mean, obviously, if we can find in one of those players. Would you rather have an athletic wing or a smarter wing? That's tough. Yeah, no, it is. It's tough. I want a defensive-minded. We need. I think we need an Al Farouk Aminu type player who's not going to kill us on the offensive end. That's who I. That's ultimately who I want. So, like you said, a three and D who's just going to knock down shots but not take a whole lot. If we mm. could find the small forward version of Wesley Matthews, I would be all about that. Oh, that's that, that's difficult. I mean. I got I got a lot of shit for bringing this trade up on uh, sports too. I, I I think the Raptors need to cut salary, and Amari Carroll probably will be available for the cheap. I know his contract kind of sucks, but he's the defensive 
guy. What happened to him? How did healthy? he fall off so quickly? That that team is just not a good fit. It's just Damari and Lowry just don't look for him, and he did get hurt. I mean, that's the type of player who I who I would buy low on. I think that Portland needs to look yeah. to buy low on a lot of players. When, he, when, when he's healthy, he hit 38% from three, played defense. That's the type of guy we would want, and it's a Neil O'Shea special with the guy people are low on. But, I mean, I mean the Raptors, if they're trying to re-sign everybody, Tamari Carroll's contract's kind of a burden. And they have a lot of holes to fill. Uh, both Ibaka and Lowry are free agents. Sounding early rumblings. Sound like Lowry might be done in, in Toronto. Um, but moving on to our, our next question from Jackson at JW, the go-getter, wants to know, biggest impact next year for the Trailblazers, Von Ley, Harkless, or Minu? Hmm. I think the biggest would be the, the, the offseason with Nurk. But out of those three players, wait, where were they again? Noah, Moe, or Chief? I, I got to go Noah. I mean, he's their development project. The, to next year is such a humongous year for him because he is a free agent next year. So he has to show improve and show up big. I expect him to be working on his game 24-7 in this offseason. So I'm, I'm going Noah Vonley. I would, obviously, I would agree. I'm a Noah Vonley fanboy. I've been on that bandwagon ever since we acquired him uh, from Charlotte for Nick Batum. One, he plays so well with Yusuf Nurkic. If he can get 82 games out of that, he is going to flourish. Two, the coaches told him what they need. They want a Kenneth Reed type of player. They want him to specialize in attacking the glass. And three... Neil Olshay mentioned this. They need him to be a little bit more of a of a badass, kind of just just go after the ball. Um, you've got to want it more type of player. And mm-hmm. when he has that confidence, we've seen that in his dunks and in his putbacks. Um, he has a knack for finding the ball. Harkless has an opportunity too, but he's just been so almost hit or miss. Like you don't know which mo you're going to get. And Aminu, I, th- I think Aminu is the player that, that he is. I don't think there's much... There, there's no, like, real development. Yeah, I think Mo... He, he's my age now, bro. Mo is I think 24. he's my age. Mo is only 24, so he has room to grow. What's Chiefs? FA's my age, right? He's 27, yeah. Yeah. but He is what he is. He's not going to get marketably better. Honestly, he's improved so much already. But there is um, a lot of room for Harkless to no. improve. He's got to get more consistent at the three. He just has to be more aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so do you, I could see Noah you, or Mo, but I would go with Von Ley slightly because of the Nurkic factor. So if you were the coach, what would you tell him to be play like? If you were in the meeting room. Which player? Noah. Would you want him to be more of a Ken Fareed? 100%. Okay. Kenneth Reed, Dennis Rodman, go out there, grab every fucking rebound you can, attack the glass, dunk on people. Like try to try to posterize them every single time, like Fareed does. Um, I think he's more skilled than Fareed, though. He is more skilled. Yeah. And he needs to get that that mid range jumper. So I would say the passion and rebounding of Kenneth Fareed, but the jumper of a Brandon Bass. You gotta be able to if it's, even if it's just one sweet spot on the floor, you gotta have mm-hmm. it. You gotta know yeah. that when you're at that spot, it's going in. 
those were the fan questions we had. Another big announcement that leaked uh, this week was the Blazers updated their new logo. Sage, I know it was um, maybe to the outside world a bit of a, a minimal update, but we all knew they weren't going to change the pinwheel. It is very iconic. The fans love it. Yeah, it's like, it's an iconic logo. It's not it's not going anywhere. What 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 did you like? What did you not like? Overall thoughts about the logo change. You know, I didn't really have any hot takes that came from it. It's just, it is what it is. Like, they changed it from gray to white. I like, I, I, I like the logo as is, so you didn't really need to change it because it wasn't broke in my eyes. Yeah, I thought the silver pinwheel was kind of, so I, I grew up with the, the original retro pinwheel. I hold that logo near and dear to my heart. The vertical pinwheel is the greatest logo in professional sports. I will argue that till I am blue in the face. I was a little bummed they didn't go back vertical, but thank God they got rid of the jagged edges that the the previous pinwheel had. They took out the silver, which is not a Trailblazers color. It never has. It never will be. It never should have been. And they put the red back on top, which is very reminiscent of the 92 to 2000 two era blazers we had the drexler era go to the finals we had the sheed blazers go to the western conference finals with that red on the top logo um it is going to take a little bit of while to get used to the inner intersecting lines on each of the five pinwheel stripes on each side but overall could have been better but it could have been so much worse it could have been so much worse the, I, I feel like if it, it, it ain't broke don't fix it that's how i feel yeah. i didn't really like if they changed it to like something different i would have more emotions about it but it's just okay they didn't fuck it up i'm cool the word mark will take a, a little bit to get used to i want to see how that plays out on jerseys unfortunately i want to see the jersey well, unfortunately we like, don't get to see the jerseys until late summer which is probably late august so, so, so something that confused me i feel like the blazers are more of a tight-lipped organization how did this leak i mean nba store put the shirt for sale oh okay and you got people like UniWatch. Um, I think Phil Hecken is another guy I follow who does all things uniforms, um, sports logos. Paul Lucas. Um, there's a lot of guys I follow because I'm I'm a I'm a logo holic. I'm a nerd about this shit. So they're probably hunting those sites every day, just seeing what pops up. And it was different. Um, I read Casey's blog, and he said, ironically enough, that this was supposed to be um, released on the draft lottery, but the team understood a leak might happen so they were ready to go and also this wasn't the first time the logo's been seen out in the wild so it would be interesting to see where those easter eggs are that where this logo appeared before it was supposed to did Woj break it no no it was some guy from like sports logos net yeah but in the end i fuck with the retro logo i buy mitchell ness anyway so i'll just keep rocking that are you gonna cop any new nike gear Eh. mitchell ness is where it's at like i don't own much of the of the new the new stuff unless I get a fifty percent discount like at a store somewhere. Like I just I won't pay full price for for the new stuff. It's gonna be tough with the jerseys too because if there's a sponsor patch on it, I don't want a sponsor patch. Who do you think the sponsor would be for uh Portland? <sighs> it's gotta be a local company. I, I know Alaska Airlines is upping their sponsorship. I mean they've got the the name on the That'd be dope. on the side of the court. Like where um, the players sit on the bench, 
Okay. Columbia Sportswear is another one that kind of comes to mind. That would be, you know, a local company. If it's, it has to be a Portland centric or North Pacific Northwest centric. It's got to be Pacific Northwest, and I think they have to be much more cognizant of that because Moda Health does not resonate in Portland. They removed, I think, their offices in Portland. Um, it, it just can't be something like that, Moda Health, or I don't think it can be something too corporate, like Mercedes Benz or something. Yeah, like that. and it's the big thing they've got to do with the Celtics did is when they got General Electric. They got General Electric to do almost a transparent logo so the green makes the outline of the G and the E instead of that blue that they used to have. Um, you can't have something just looking god-awful on your uniform. Like, like Let's say if you're the Lakers, you wouldn't want a red Staples logo on your uniform. That That's just gaudy and tacky, and nobody should have to deal with that unless you're a Laker fan, which they should have to deal with the worst uniforms ever. So I'd be fine with that, but... You, you catch my drift. It's got to be tasteful. It's got to be on brand. It's got to be something that could be that could work with red, black, or white. I mean, their practice jerseys have been um, OHSU has done that, the Oregon Health Sciences University. Um, that would be pretty cool. I really actually like what the Jazz did. They have something on their patch, and it's for something that, and for, forgive me for not remembering off the top of my head, but whatever it is, is if they get so many visits to the website or a donation, like they match a donation. I think it's for like cancer research or something cool like that. So, That's dope. So if it, if it's for a good cause, I might, you know, I, I would consider purchasing a jersey like that that has a, a sponsored, um, a sponsor on it. But, you know, like you said, if you go with Mercedes Benz or Taco Bell or some bullshit like that, I'm not copping. Like I, I hope that the fan jerseys don't include that. That would be tacky as fuck if, like, those, well, the replicas, the swingmen, and the, the, M- the NBA, that I the buy. NBA is giving teams the option to sell jerseys with the patches on or off. <sighs> Damn. I think Portland goes out of their way to make sure the fan experience and the no player besides Festus feels like they had a shitty experience. So I think they would be the type of team that would take the logo, uh, the the sponsorship off. So now that we're in the off season, really the only thing, really the only thing that's coming up before the draft is the draft lottery. Portland doesn't have a dog in that race. Um, we got to bring back the throwback Thursdays. So if you're listening and you remember last year, we touched on. I believe the the early 90s Blazers, we did a a 77 finals game. If you have a game you want us to touch on, let us know. We'll see if that that link is available to watch on YouTube. And we'll throw it back to whatever decade you want us to to talk about and discuss that game, discuss that team, give our favorite memories from that era. Um, I know just watching from that 77 game, it was really the one of the first times I've sat down and watched that team play from start to finish. I mean, I was the fluidity of the the, the, of the players is pretty impressive, and how they can operate in, in space like that. It was very congested too. So I mean, I was eight years prior, so I was you know eight AD before that when when that season happened. So I didn't really have a huge connection to it, but I'm starting to get there, especially after. Oh yeah, like I, I, I even for me, I feel so much pride and passion for the 77 team. I mean, like, I watched that fucking team play. I read a book about them. I read books about the 90s Blazers. 
Like, that type of stuff, just seeing the history and the lineage of this team makes me more of a fan than just watching the 2017 Blazers, because there is a history. New Orleans has only had a team for since 2002. There's not that much lineage to see a team that was around in the 70s, the 80s, 90s, and so on. It's pretty awesome that this team's been around holding it down in Portland for so long. Is there a specific game you want to talk about, Sage, or do you just want to kind of take this offline, let our fans throw in their two cents? Because I'm ready to jump on next week and continue the podcast because just that two-week hiatus we had was way too long. I missed you. I missed you. I feel like we're in the that super bad the scene where it's like, no, I'm not going to miss him next year at college, but deep down you're like, yeah, I'm going to miss him. We spent 78 hours talking basketball together. I mean, minimum of 78 hours, but like way more <laughs> in the last two few years. I mean, like talking basketball with you, sitting down talking basketball with you has been like a routine for like the last two years. The summer is when it's a little less strenuous on us, but I mean, there's three picks. There's a lot of stuff we have to talk about. So we'll be there. We'll be talking about it. So if you are interested in the Trailblazers Holy Backboard podcast and like what you're hearing, subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us that five-star rating. Uh, leave a comment for us. Let us know uh, how we're doing. We're also on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google Play at Holy Backboard PDX. Hit us up on social um, at Holy Backboard on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, you stay. You're here for the Trailblazers, but you'll stay for a couple of hot takes from Sage about the Pelicans. You know, we we put up with it for a little bit. We lo- we love the guy. We wouldn't have it any other way. But Sage, it was great to get back in here with you. Uh, it's 11:03. Your boys got an early wake up call tomorrow morning. Um, good luck in the lottery. Regardless, let's hope the Lakers bump out because uh, that that is the ultimate goal is for them to lose their pick to Philly because they lose it. I know in 2019 Philly. too. If yeah. they lose it this year. So fingers crossed that the Lakers get bumped out of the top three. Sage, wh- one last thing. We, we got to talk. Speaking of the Lakers and fucking Lonzo Ball and fucking LeVar Ball Ugh. and those hideous $495 shoes, I don't want to give them too much airtime, but what the fuck? Like, really, I, I saw that. I was in Nashville. I saw it come up on Twitter feed. I saw that Lonzo was, was trending, and I saw that he released a shoe. And it just looks like the most mediocre black tennis shoe I've ever seen. And they're trying to pawn off a brand called Big Baller Brand as a premium brand, as a luxury item for $500, Sage. I, I feel like the way that we're talking about LeVar with he's, a bit, he's trying to be a businessman, he's creating his brand. If he keeps that shit up, he's going to be president in four years. Can we shut the fuck up about him for a little bit? I'm just talking about sneaks, man. Uh, those are uh, I would never pay $500 for sneakers that don't change color or don't like make me 100 pounds skinnier. Like, I'm good on that shit. I, I'm no, no way. I think Lonzo Ball, if teams are patient with him, could be very a very good player. But I, that big baller shit is fucking whack. 
Like, I could have made that shit up in the 2000s. That's not an original as that fucking name. And like my guy Casey said, everyone always says, you know, even neg- all press is good press, even negative press. But he said, tell that to Under Armour in their last quarter's earnings because they took a dip and everyone just went in on them for the, for the for those curries um so just and didn't new balance get because they supported trump they I, exactly um happened with uber too so you know i agree we don't need to give lavar any more of a platform uh, i think either Kristen ledlow no it was michelle beetle showed a, a text her producer was like hey we can get lavar on the show tomorrow do you want to do it she's like no he's like okay He's like, that's how you kind of shut it down. I completely agree. Like, we don't need to see him on TV, but $495 for a piece of whack-ass kicks, in my opinion, I had to touch on it. Um, how much would you spend on a pair of sneakers? What is the most you sp- spent on a pair of sneakers? Sneakers or dress shoes? Oh, you actually wear dress shoes. All right, first sneakers and then shoes as a whole. I have no idea how expensive shoes are. I mean, Probably when I was a kid, I got Jordans. Like I saved up my money, or I got them for for Christmas. Like those were probably 150. That's probably so. I would not pay that now. I mean, living in Portland, we have access. To, I mean, if you know somebody who get either the Adidas store or the the Nike employee store, I would say 150 is the max max I would pay for for a sneaker now. Dress shoes probably. To 250 just because they're... wait 250 for yeah you step up your game b sage when you hit the town in portland though you gotta look proper dog i've worn bootleg shit in portland when i was younger and i called you out i mean my, i'm my rep isn't the, the flyest of fly guy edit we're trying to bro. get you there we got you to that mitchell and this so, we can get you a pair of dress dress kicks god Size 14 extra wide fucking dress kicks. Yes, sir. All right. Well, all right. I have spent $200 on some Air Force Ones that change color depending on the, like, temperature around. So, like, if it was colder, it was, like, Statue of Liberty green. If it was warmer, it was, like, I think copper red. Those were fly. I outgrew them because my fucking body's going through second puberty, but so, if anyone wants them, you can pay me for them, but like, no way I'd pay 500 for some mediocre kicks. If I was rich, the one shoes I would pay up for are those Air Mags Nike did that replicated the Back to the Future 2 kicks. Something that is just not only nostalgic to, you know, the 80s and Back to the Future 2, but just so futuristic, something that Nobody really has, um, and you definitely have to get two pairs, one to display and then one to wear. So you know, it's like a Reese's. You eat the first one because you know you got the second one. Hot take that will piss you off. I've never Don't say it. God damn it, Sage. I've never watched. um, I might have when I was younger. I don't remember the plot at all. You need to watch the trilogy. Take a weekend. (laughs) <laughs> please do it for inverse myself in the <laughs> yes <laughs> i'm sorry i upset you but i, I don't remember I, I still love you but let's let's Less. let's fix that <laughs> let's fix that yeah i mean 250 fucking dollars 
Man. I think that's it, Sage. I mean, yeah, let's, I let's, let's wrap it up. Um, yeah. Thanks again to everybody for listening. We'll be back again soon on your airways. And as always, it may not be the season, but it doesn't matter. Go Trailblazers. Holy backboard. Let's go. Let's go.